0: You're listening to Plug Into Health with Prevea Health, exploring healthcare topics that matter to you, the latest developments in health and medicine, and the inspiring stories that emerge from Prevea Health, our partners, and the communities we serve. Welcome to Plug Into Health. I'm your host, Angela Dea. We are in the midst of a Wisconsin winter, which means we're battling more than just the cold and snow. In fact, tis the season for sickness, there's flu, the common cold, stomach bugs, and a whole lot more. And the goal of this episode is to provide you some knowledge that will help you navigate it all. Today's guest is Dr. Amy Romandine-Kratz. As a family medicine physician, she cares for adults and children affected by these common illnesses. Welcome, Dr. Romandine-Kratz.
1: Thank you for having me, Angela.
0: I want to start with the flu because it's been a particularly challenging season. As of this recording, January 2020, Prevea Health Centers across the state have seen 269 cases of the flu. That's 225 more cases than we saw at this time last year. And the CDC sadly is also reporting 39 children have died from the flu so far this
1: season. Does that mean that this year's flu vaccine isn't effective? It definitely does not. Firstly, not everyone gets vaccinated. Data shows that in the 2018-2019 season, according to the CDC, only about 45.3% of adults actually even got the vaccine. Think about this. The CDC estimates that for every 5% increase in coverage that we can get, we can prevent anywhere from 4,000 to 11,000 hospitalizations. Mm -hmm. Secondly, in seasons where maybe the flu vaccine isn't a perfect match, flu vaccine has been shown to reduce the risk for having to go to the doctor. Finally, it takes a couple weeks to make antibodies. So even if you get the vaccine and then get exposed to flu within those first couple weeks, You can still get it even if it's a perfect match.
0: So, if someone's listening, you know, someone's listening right now, well, obviously people are,
1: (laughs) to our listeners, if they're thinking, you know what, I haven't got a flu shot, is it too late? Should I still get one? Well, we know that the earlier you can get vaccinated, the better. We still have a few months to go of flu season. So, yes, vaccine now is totally appropriate. According to the CDC, There was a study in 2017 that showed vaccination can prevent death, lessen ICU admits, and even decrease length of stay. People decided to follow it up with a study in 2018 that mimicked those same results. They found that people who got the influenza vaccine were 59% less likely to have to go to the ICU. And if they went to the hospital, their stay was four days shorter than those who did not get the vaccine. That's
0: some really good insight. If someone does contract the flu, what are the best things that they can do to care for themselves and prevent from spreading it to others? Well get
1: vaccinated. (laughs) But if it's too late for that, stay at home when you're sick. Most companies now understand that we don't want influenza or other viruses spreading. No one to get to the doctor. We're going to talk about more of that later. If your doctor decides that antivirals are appropriate, make sure you take them as prescribed. Even if you start to feel better, finish that course. Cover your coughs and sneezes. I know it sounds silly, but I watch adults all the time, not covering coughs, sneezing into their hands instead of using their arm or a tissue. Take the time to do it right. Use a mask. We've actually gone to offering universal masking for patients who even aren't sick in the clinic to try to prevent that spread. And finally, we're going to say it lots today, Angela, wash your hands, wash them a lot. Is there a proper way to wash? Like, OK, so especially
0: during this time of year, what, how? long or often should I be washing my hands?
1: So most resources will say at least 20 seconds with warm soap and water. No special soaps are recommended, but The key is to do it often and if you can't wash your hands and they're not visibly soiled, keep around some alcohol-based hand sanitizer. That's a great way to prevent things too. But at least at least 20
0: seconds you should be washing under that sink water.
1: Yes. Okay. Think back to when you were in preschool and they had you sing the ABC song Mm -hmm. after going to the bathroom. It's not a bad practice. Great tip. Uh,
0: This year's flu season has been particularly tough on children. Um, We're seeing a lot of the uh, B strain of the flu. Are there any concerning symptoms that we should be watching for signs that will tell us okay it's time to get my child into the doctor or in some cases urgent
1: care or the emergency room firstly if you have a kiddo that's got any underlying chronic health conditions you might want to be a little bit more heads up with them so We're going to apply this to healthy kids who don't have anything else going on. So if you notice your kids are having trouble breathing at any time, especially with little ones, their breathing will be fast. They'll have pursed lips like they're blowing bubbles or sucking through a straw. You'll notice that their ribs are pulling in or we call those retractions. They're working extra hard to breathe and using those muscles. Get them in right away. Of course, anytime you see a bluish hue to their lips or their face, that's another clue that kids are really struggling. If kids at any time refuse to walk because they're in so much pain or you're noticing that their gait changes, get them in. There's also signs of dehydration like dry, cracked lips, dry mouth, no tears when your baby is crying, or you notice less wet diapers. That's another clue to get kids in right away. If they're not alert, if they're just listless or lethargic, you just can't get them going, it's worth getting checked. You're going to hear me say this a couple times, but any time your baby less than 12 weeks or three months old has a fever, and we count that as a rectal temp of less than 100.4, that's a get them in right away. Those very young infants need to be assessed. Uh, Fevers are coughs that get better. And then get worse again. Sometimes that can be an indication that maybe this started out viral and now has set up house for something bacterial. And again, anytime your kids have a chronic condition like asthma or diabetes and their numbers change or they're using their inhalers more frequently, that's a tip to get in. Mm -hmm.
0: You know, another common respiratory illness this time of year um, is something known as RSV. It can be uh, particularly impactful on
1: children what are the signs and symptoms of rsv so rsv can run a gamut of symptoms it can look like a common cold most kids will just get a runny nose decrease in appetite or in very young infants just be irritable but it can get pretty severe too you can get a severe cough sneezing fever and wheezing it can also cause more severe things like pneumonia or bronchiolitis, which is inflammation of the small airways. The truth is, almost every kid is going to get exposed to RSV by the time they're two years old.
0: Mm, wow, I that one I didn't I didn't know. My daughter was affected by RSV a lot, but um, wow, so that's it's that common. It's very common. Mm. What can we be doing to help protect them? Is there anything we can do?
1: Well. It's tough because sometimes kids don't always have the best hand hygiene. And RSV is spread by coughs, sneezes, direct contact. Keep in mind, it's also a virus that can live for a few hours on hard surfaces. So we can clean frequently. Um, We can definitely teach kids how to cover coughs and sneezes. I think it's something that even toddlers can be taught. Wash your hands often. Again, Make it a game, sing that ABC song, sing, yeah, yeah, yo, something that's about 20 seconds long to get that mantra into your kid's head. Sometimes if you're sick, um, avoid close contact. Kisses, sharing cups, sharing nooks at daycare, things like that can be done to help prevent spread. And for high-risk kids like premature infants, sometimes, especially during this time of the year, it's the time to keep them out of the play area at the mall, reduce that contact with sick kids.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Some of this may apply to what you shared about in regards to the flu, but at what point should parents be taking their children into the doctor, urgent care, or the emergency room when something like RSV is at? is the case. So
1: you're going to see, because this is another respiratory virus, that working hard to breathe, labored breathing, the same thing, those blue lips, the ribs pulling in or retracting. Um, Anytime your kiddo is lethargic, um, just not taking, um, not acting normally would be a good way to look at it. You can't wake them up as easily. They're napping more. Um, high fevers and we'll talk about that a little bit more later and anytime you're not sure you're on the side of caution, mm-hmm.
0: you know. And, and and some, I shouldn't say some. Many children are hospitalized with RSV um, this time of year. This year, so far this year, 34 children have been hospitalized at HSHS St. Vincent Children's Hospital in Green Bay. Uh, luckily, not all children are affected um, so seriously that they have to be hospitalized. But for kiddos who, um, you know, who are still battling it, are there any? you know, comfort measures we can provide them at home to help them get through
1: it? There's definitely comfort measures. However, again, we're dealing with a virus, so there's no specific treatment. Antibiotics aren't going to be helpful for this. Um, Fever and pain can be managed with over-the-counter pain relievers as long as your kiddo doesn't have any contraindications to that. The other thing is drink lots and lots of fluids. One thing I tell parents is a, a lot that Appetite is going to be down, so if you have to pick your battle, push fluids. Sometimes that means popsicles and jello and things that are going to make kids happy, but it's okay if your kid's appetite is down for a few days. Push the fluids if you've got to decide what you're going to get into them. And in young children, I'd like to also make the point that I want you to talk to your doctor or other healthcare providers before giving any over-the-counter cough medications. Many cough medications and other over-the-counters aren't safe, especially in kids under the age of six. Mm. That includes some of those herbal remedies. So make sure you please talk to your doctor before giving those to your kids.
0: That is great insight. I just learned something new as a parent. So thank you for sharing that. No problem. Let's talk now about things like norovirus and other stomach bugs, uh, things that bring on those gastrointestinal issues. These are viruses we often hear about and people say, oh, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. What kinds of symptoms are we dealing with in this case?
1: So unlike the viruses we've been talking about so far, like influenza and RSV, like you said, These are your belly bugs. These are the diarrhea, vomiting, nausea, stomach pain. You can also get those fevers, headaches, body aches. But generally, this is where the gut's going to be affected. And This stuff can be highly
0: contagious, too. If we get this, is there anything we can be doing at home to try and save the rest of our family
1: from contracting it? Is that even possible? It is. You've heard it already a few times today, but wash your hands after using the restroom. One thing that sometimes parents forget is after changing diapers, carry that hand sanitizer with you even if you can't wash your hands every time always wash your hands before eating this can also be spread via food so that's really important and also remember to wash your hands before giving yourself or giving others medications basically anytime hands are going near that mouth or doing something where you would be eating is when you want to wash your hands so it's a lot another tip is if you can avoid preparing food while you have symptoms and even up to two days after you have symptoms Noro is heat resistant, which is something we don't think about. It can live for up to 145 degrees. What? And some of those quick steamed foods, mm. like on a cruise ship, those awesome, wonderful shellfish, it can live through that. So thoroughly cook foods if anyone in the house is sick. Um, and remember that you can still spread two days after symptoms stop. The other thing is clean and disinfect surfaces. The EPA has a great list on their website of products that are affecting and killing norovirus or Norwalk as we used to call it. A uh, cheap and easy way to do it is 5 to 25 tablespoons of bleach per gallon is an easy way to kill the virus and keep your surfaces clean.
0: Mm, yeah, I, I can't tell you how many times I've uh, bought a case of those you know, bleach wipes and you just, you just hit every <laughs> nook and cranny of the house. Every- Free
1: surface and doorknobs, <laughs> doorknobs, doorknobs, doorknobs. Oh,
0: you know, and you know, you've you've said this, but it doesn't sound like there's anything we can do to treat this. It just
1: kind of has to run its course. Unfortunately, and I just checked the CDC website last night to make sure there was nothing new that's changed. There's no specific medication that helps wh- this. The key is keep hydrated. We've got to prevent dehydration with this. This is a virus, so it means that antibiotics don't work. Um, However, it is worth talking to your doctor, especially if you're having trouble keeping things down, because there's things we can do to help treat the nausea and help keep you hydrated. Okay. Let's talk about everything else in between. Things like sore
0: throat, stuffy nose, fevers, coughing. I'll start with coughing. So at
1: what point is it normal, and at what point do you need to get it checked out? So... Almost everyone's going to get some sort of cough or cold this season. I kind of use a, if you're healthy, there's the caveat for this, give it a couple weeks. It's going to linger. And I've been seeing that a lot in the clinic. But at any time, if you're having trouble breathing, if you're wheezing, um, but if it's lingering more than those couple weeks, there's things we can do to help. We can treat things like post-nasal drip. We can treat allergies. We can treat acid reflux, which are all common causes of chronic coughs. So
0: you're saying the cough, it's normal for it to last maybe two weeks, a couple weeks. Yes. Okay. Yep.
1: We've definitely been seeing that a lot in the clinics.
0: We've touched on this a little bit already, but I think it's worth revisiting. Fevers. What do they mean, and at what point do they
1: become a concern? for adults and kids. So a fever to me uh, means that there's something going on in your body that your immune response is fighting. Um, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's a response to try to treat some of those viruses and bacterias. But every age, a cause for alarm, um, is a little bit different. So I'm gonna try to break it out, starting with kids and then moving on to adults. So we've said it already. Babies that are less than three months old any rectal temp of 104, 100.4 or greater needs to be seen. As kids get a little bit older, uh, in that three to six months range, a rectal temp of up to 102 is okay, as long as they're not lethargic or uncomfortable. And anything over 102 needs to be seen. Then our kids six to 24 months old, they can handle a little bit higher fever up to a day. Um, Sooner with any symptoms, those difficulty breathing, lethargic. Um, Once a kid is older, um, a fever is okay, especially if they're acting normally and drinking lots of fluids. Fever can speed up dehydration, so keep those kids well hydrated. But if your kids are playing and drinking, there's no cause for an alarm. Unless it lasts longer than three days, they're making poor eye contact, they're listless, um, the vomiting won't stop. Anytime they have a severe headache, uh, stomach aches, and fevers after being in a hot car. I know it's not the time of year, but anytime your kiddo gets hot, and then has a fever afterwards. I just want to hit home that that's a cause for concern. And of course, we do talk about febrile seizures mm. at any age. If your kiddo has one of these, it's definitely a flag to bring them in just to make sure nothing more is going on. What's a febrile seizure? So, see seizures can be induced by high temperatures. Um, sometimes it's something else going on with the virus, sometimes there's actually, it's a, it's the first sign of something going on in the brain. But anytime you see your kiddos having abnormal movements... Bring them into the ER, the emergency room.
0: Yeah. So when you say, you know, making abnormal movements, movements, I and I, I'm I'm asking you more about this because I've I have heard of febrile seizures. Um, my child, luckily, has never been affected by it, but it can happen. What does
1: that look like? So typically, with febrile seizures, you're going to see full body convulsions. Mm-hmm. It will be. Scary for most parents that haven't experienced this before. Get your kids in right away. It's okay to call EMS. If you're not comfortable and you feel that your child is not behaving normally and having abnormal movements, please call. Don't delay. A lot of times they end up being okay, but mm-hmm. err on the side of caution with this one. Call 911 or get to the emergency
0: room. Um let's move to stuffy noses. Best way to beat a stuffy nose. You hear of all different types of remedies. I've I hear of uh, you know nutty pots or uh, putting the the you know the the nose inhalers, the nasal sprays, that sort of thing.
1: So there are a few things we can do. Um I am a big fan of nasal irrigation with saline. One As long as you're making sure you keep your pot or your bottle clean, there's not a lot of side effects. So people who have high blood pressure or are on medications can safely use this. Um, Nasal decongestants are effective, however, you can only use them for up to three days because they work so well you can get rebound stuffiness. Sometimes we'll actually, if it's a chronic issue, can prescribe things like nasal steroids, which also can be gotten over the counter now. Um, If it's lasting and it's not getting better, especially over the 10-day mark, it's definitely worth coming in and, and getting evaluated for. And again, definitely go ahead and try the nasal saline. But talk to your doctor before using decongestants just because there are some medications and some medical conditions that we've got to be careful with those. But there is evidence that they can be helpful. And how do you know when it's actually maybe a sinus infection? So if you look at the American Academy of Family Practices, current recommendations, and other organizations as well, 10 days is kind of the magic number. Most sinusitis Inflammation in the sinus passages uh, is viral up to that 10-day mark. So even if we gave you antibiotics, it's not going to shorten the course. So if you're not getting better at all after 10 days, or if it gets better and then within 10 days it gets worse again, that's a reason to come in. Let's talk about sore throats. Best way to treat a sore throat. So first thing I'd like to say is you, if you have a sore throat with fevers and swollen lymph nodes and you do not have a cough, that's a reason to come in, that not having a cough and having sore throat with fevers and swollen nodes might be something we can actually treat like strep throat. Um, but otherwise, it's symptomatic. The majority of sore throats are viral, or it's from that post-nasal drip down the back of your throat from that stuffiness you're having from your cold. Hydrate a soft diet avoiding acidic foods sometimes we like to reach for juice juice can irritate the back of the throat Um, sodas are really bad especially those high acid sodas and try to avoid smoking, basically anything that's going to irritate the back of the throat. Some things you can do are cold foods, sucking on ice. Um, I actually just looked at one of the resources that I use frequently called Up to Date, and there was a study reference there that sucking on hard candy um, can be just as effective as those more expensive throat lozenges. Mm. So... And you probably aren't going to get any side effects from that. And don't forget mom's old advice of warm saltwater gargles.
0: That's what I was going to ask about is the warm saltwater salt gargle. It it's awful, and it tastes awful, but it can it can help. It can definitely help. Yeah, okay. I want to move on to this next topic. You know, many people who might be suffering from a variety of the symptoms that we just discussed might hope that a visit to urgent care or the doctor will mean they will be automatically prescribed a medication to fix it. Can you talk about when it's appropriate to prescribe someone
1: an antibiotic or other medication and when it's not? Most definitely. I hear this all the time and I understand the frustration of, I'm not feeling good and I want to feel better. Know that when your doctor recommends over-the-counters, and the biggest thing is when your doctor doesn't give you an antibiotic, they have your best interest in mind. We want you to feel good, but we also know that sometimes there isn't a magic bullet to make things go faster. Uh, There are some people that, yes, an antibiotic is recommended sooner, like if you have chronic lung conditions like COPD. Most viruses, even influenza, if you don't fall within the very specific guidelines of when to give those antivirals, it can't be shortened by medication. But there are things like strep throat. Um, If you have severe symptoms, especially when you're having trouble breathing and not just trouble breathing because your nose is stuffy or something I call biphasic symptoms so that means if you get sick for a few days and then you get better for a couple days and all of a sudden within a few day window your symptoms get worse that might be a red alarm in my brain that you had a virus you got a little bit congested and that set up house for a bacteria to live like in your sinuses or your lungs so if it, you're sick, you get better, and then get worse within a few days, sometimes that's a tip for me that something else might be cooking.
0: All right. The last thing I want to touch on is the common practice of seeking medical advice online, particularly on social media. For example, someone might post in a local mom's group that their child is experiencing a variety of symptoms and would like advice on what to do. I'd like to know your thoughts on this practice. And if you're someone who just isn't sure what to do,
1: then what's the next best thing to do? So information sharing can be great. I love it. Knowledge is power. However, you've got to sort through a lot of bad information information. You've got to look for red flags. So if you notice a group has really strong biases, especially like anti-vaccination groups, or if someone's pushing a certain product, they might have ulterior motives. Um, Bottom line is, if you're not sure and you are worried, seek medical advice from medical professionals. Make sure the advice you're getting is good. And one way to do that is, giving your doctor a call. Oftentimes, most clinics have nurses, registered nurses, wet, ready and waiting to give you advice that's sound and to help you navigate through scary situations.
0: And there are so many um, much more uh, quick, easy, efficient ways to get a hold of your doctor nowadays, whether it's an online online health portal, um, you know, picking up the phone and calling. Um, but again, I, I I think that's important advice is, is really seeking that medical advice from medical professionals. Agreed. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time and expertise today. No problem. Thanks for having me, We covered Angela. a lot. A lot we of did. great stuff. <laughs> now, if you're a parent or have a child in your life, we have a number of very helpful resources on proveya.com that will help you navigate the sick season. For example how sick is too sick for school, when to call your pediatrician, and how to treat fevers in infants and children. All of those resources are available in the resources section of Provea.com. You can also find more information about the flu and the importance of the flu vaccine at proveacom slash flu. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Plug Into Health with Provea Health. To learn more and to submit ideas for future shows, please visit provea.com/podcast. And please remember, the information provided in this podcast does not constitute medical advice. It is not intended to replace interactions with your healthcare professional. And if you are concerned about your health care, you should consult with your healthcare professional. You can learn more about Praveya Health at praveya.com. Thank you for choosing to plug into health with Praveya Health.